Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of uh, Running Things Considered. And uh, this guest, you know, it means a lot to me. This guest, uh, you know, is, is kind of the reason I'm uh, doing the podcast. And I do want to tell a story of, of the first time ever I ever met this, you know, this man, this uh, powerful human being. I remember it was a little over a year ago. I had just finished a, uh, a long run. Okay. You know, just down and back. It was good 12 miles. I was feeling good, tired. I was just doing my stretches by my car. And then right behind me, I heard this. And I was like, okay, I've never heard that sound before. I turned around and there's this dude standing there in what seemed to be an Iron Man suit. And it wasn't quite like that, but it was just some, something magical. And I was like, okay. Uh, and he walked right towards me and he, he hit his head in the side and I heard a. And I, and I saw who it was and it was, it was no other than a sports illustrated writer and founder of cities mag Chris Chavez. And I said, wow, is, is that sports illustrated writer and founder of cities mag Chris Chavez? And he said, yeah, that, that's me. I want to talk to you, Avery. And I said, uh, I mean, anything. Cause at this point I was kind of stunned because this is nothing like this has ever happened to me before. And he said, uh, look, I'm trying to put together a team. Okay. Team of, of the best, best podcasters in the world best running podcasters in the world. And I want you to be a part of it. And I said, what, this, this is, this is crazy. I just finished a long run. Like why, why, like, why do you want me to be a podcaster? You know, I can barely put my thoughts into words and I sometimes stutter. And he said, look, Avery, you're, you're, you're missing the point. I got your friend Zane. And he said, if you could pick anybody in the world, who would it be? And he said, I want my buddy Avery because he has a lot of TikTok followers. So Avery, <laughs> will you be on this new podcast? I have running things considered because you have a lot of TikTok followers. And I said, Chris, I'd, I'd love nothing more. And so he handed me a card with all the information, hit the side of his head, covered up, put his arms to his side. And he flew away. And now that was, that was the last time I talked to him. And now a little over a year later, we have none only than Chris Chavez on the Running Things Considered podcast. How are you doing? Thanks, Avery. Wow, what a story. Because I was just trying to remember. I was like, wait, I think I'm, I met you for the first time in Atlanta right before the marathon trials. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, where is this going? And then like all of a sudden, I just remembered how extravagant the intros are. And yeah, no, it's uh, thanks for having me. I guess this is the first time I'm doing Running Things Considered in its new format because when it was the original show with Ryan Sterner and Nicole Bush mm -hmm. and uh, Tom's Hank, he... Like it was, I was just kind of like the moderator between everything. And so I appeared on it multiple <laughs> times and I used to edit that show. Now you've taken the reins and you've made it your own thing. I guess what, what episode number would this be? Like you're, you're coming up on like, I think 64, 75. Wow. Yeah. I never would have thought, well, I, I guess I kind of, cause when I first went, you know, when we first started the podcast, in my mind, I was like, like, you know, podcasts, they don't go viral. It's not like if you have a really good one, you're just going to blow up overnight. I was like, to really know if you're good at this or not, you got to do like a hundred episodes. And so I kind of knew I was in it for the long run. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's transformed. And I'm super glad I had this opportunity. I, I mean, I never would have never would have started a podcast if it wasn't for, you know, Sidious Mag. So, no, it's it's been fun so. to to see the show evolve and and especially the list of guests. Sometimes it's funny enough that like you beat me to the punch on like trying to book someone for the show, and then I'm like, all right, well now, I guess they just did running things. Consider I don't want to bug them for another podcast episode, <laughs> but no, it it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I enjoy it. 
Yeah, and that 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 is kind of like the the like low key competitiveness in podcasting is you mm-hmm, always want to mm-hmm. get the guest when they're and it's happened with like a city smack because I remember I think it was Bryce Hopple, like mm-hmm. I, I had just been in his DMs and he was like yeah I'd love to do the podcast and then I saw an Instagram story come up of City Smack and I was like you mother freakers man <laughs> <laughs> yeah now I'm in the hot seat so this will be good yeah no I'm I'm excited I'm definitely excited um so you know. And, uh, and, and hopefully, you know, I'm trying to get this, this podcast to evolve. Cause I guess it is kind of like the segments are kind of like novel in nature. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if, if to keep it fresh, I'm, I want to keep them evolving. So after the speed round, we will have a new segment, uh, oh. that we're trying out on cities, you know, Chris Chavez. Perfect. I'm here for it. Premiere. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. But before we do that, we got to do the speed round. Okay. Okay. And I got You know, I got some, I got some heavy hitters on this one all right i'm ready for it yeah all right this is this is usually where i say chris can you edit in the music uh so (laughs) (laughs) i love how that tradition has carried on ever since you took over the show (laughs) yeah yeah, chris still edits you know chris still edits (laughs) (laughs) regardless all right in three two one best podcast guest you've ever had Ooh, nick willis where'd you come up with nick willis yeah, Nick Willis, and right before Milrose Games in 2020, I'm pretty sure. Like we just went through his entire career, and he was he was amazing. Wow, I I, I, I want to get him on at some point. Where'd you come up with the name Sidious Mag? So Sidious Mag comes from. I wanted initially to make this into like a like a magazine or an online zine, and the funniest thing is, like even after four years of it, there's never been a magazine. <laughs> um, so the mag part like has never really taken fruition. Although like there's an idea now, like to possibly have like a like a coffee table book or of sorts, like after the Olympic trials, because we had Justin Britton there taking amazing photos. But the Sidious part of it was. Um, I thought of, all right, what's the, I looked at the Latin word for faster, which is Sidious, and it's pronounced Kidious, actually. Really? Yeah. I I thought, you know what, the Boston Celtics, they're the Celtics, but like, really, it's the Celtics. Um, That's true. And so I was like, we can revolutionize the word a little bit, and so (laughs) now it's become Sidious, but I also, part of it for me was thinking of Matt Centrowitz's shoulder, he has the word Sidious tattooed on it. And I was like, that's the best free advertising we can get. That that I will say of all like media in general, like names are like kind of important, but like if you can get a good one, you got a big edge. I think Sidious Mag is an absolutely incredible name. So it's it's a fun one. Yeah, okay. Flow Track obviously named after Mark Floriani and his brother when they started Flow Sports. So that's yeah. the flow part of it. And then uh Runner Space, I guess I I guess is just runner space, but right. let's run.com is let's run.com, but Sidious has a little bit more of a story to it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I, and uh, we like that. We like that. Uh, now, next question: Where did you come up with the name Chris Chavez? Um, I have. I was actually named. My cousins actually came up with my first name. My parents wanted to name me Stephen. Actually, really? but <laughs> my cousins were really big fans of Superman, and at, at the time in the early '90s, it was Christopher Reeve, and so the name Christopher came out of that. And so, yeah, I'm named after <laughs> Superman, uh, Christopher Reeve. I thought that was a shit question, but that was an awesome story. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> What's the fastest 200 you ever ran? 25-1 is my Ooh. 200 PR. Uh, that was what I ran in high school, and it was my last ever Peter. high school race. Uh, I kind of retired after that because I, I I just went out on top and PR'd, never got another chance because 25-1 won't get you like a lane or anything like that in college. So 
that was it for me. I, that's not bad. I mean, you know, 25, it's good. That's good. I was going to say 24, nine sounds better, but you know, you could, everything faster sounds better always, but yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. that PR is here to stay though. Like I've, I, I think going forward oh, yeah. in the next couple of years, I want to, it'll only get easier. I want to yeah, run you, a 200. The, 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 that's the same as my age. So this year would maybe be 28 after September. Um, and I, I, I think I've got that. Uh, yeah. but then from there it only gets easier. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I, I, I think my 200 PR is definitely from when I was a young whippersnapper as well, for sure. <laughs> um, did you know that the tiger beetle can move 5.5 miles per hour or 125 times its body length per second, making it the fastest land animal in the world? I did not know that, but that's good to know. I'll you know bust out that fun fact at the next next chance I get at a bar. That, that would be equivalent to <laughs> a human running 400 miles per hour what <laughs> yeah it's nuts. don't don't sleep on the tiger beetle that's all i gotta say what's the best meat you've ever covered uh it's easy to pick the olympics in 2016 um that was just like a dream come true for me but the trials nothing really beats it 2016 trials were more fun to cover i would say because like we actually had a mix zone and like you can interact with yeah. people this time around like so much of the mix zone was virtual but true. it was still a lot of fun it was exhausting but i think kyle merber and i made the most of it Absolutely. Have you ever done 23 and me? No, I haven't. I've always wanted to, I think. But really? my, my mom's from Colombia, my dad's from Peru, and that's kind of like where my kind of origins go back to. Yeah. See, see, for me, I, I, I did, uh, you know, 23 and me kind of recently, you know, because, uh, you know, white people love 23 and me because <laughs> we just want to, we want to reach for anything exotic. But pretty much so I got the thing and, and when you when you after you finish it uh, loads the app and it has a little like circular thing and it shows up of a graph of like, mm -hmm. you know, where you're from. But for me, it didn't it didn't show a graph. Uh, it, it just said, uh, hey, Avery, um, I hate to bring you the news of this information. We, we did the studies over and over again. We, we run your DNA over and over again. But my condolences, unfortunately, you are 100 percent white. And yeah. so that was tough. <laughs> that was tough for me. But, you know. You, know, you live and you learn, you know, you gotta, you yeah, gotta you live yourself. and learn. <laughs> yeah. So that's me. Anyways, uh, <laughs> what's your favorite non-running podcast? <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Uh, I listen to, well, Rich Roll is kind of like in that health and wellness space. Like he does some good interviews. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. Um, let me see what I have open. I like pods. Save America is like a it's, a, it's a political podcast, but yeah, I just kind of yeah. like the energy those guys bring and like they talk you through politics and everything kind of in a very basic way of like, okay, I understand what's going on in there our government. Go. So that might, that might be it. There's uh, let's see, I'm, I'm scrolling through it right now to see what else I got here. Um, so many of them, a bunch of them are running but they're all the city's mag ones because i like monitoring <laughs> what we're doing yeah um this american life has some good storytelling okay. uh the dog walk is the chicago barstool one i'm not even from chicago i just like listening to things that are going on in the place who hosts that eddie eddie from uh, okay. i guess his name eddie barstool i guess yeah okay fair enough yeah because i i know they're like they, they all have like funny nicknames but mm -hmm. eddie barstool yeah <laughs> uh will i ever make money from this We'll work on it. We'll work on go. it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the biggest quality you look for in a podcast guest? I think what makes them just like one, it's the relevancy. What's making them so interesting to people right now? Two, is there a story to the story that hasn't been told yet? Like, for example, like you can have on someone who just won at the Olympic trials, uh, 
And I think what you learned like in the interviews that they did afterwards is like, yeah, sure. Like they've been training hard. This is, this is a dream come true for them to go into the Olympics. But like, tell me more about like, you know, the, the process to get to this point, what mm -hmm. comes next? What did you have to overcome in the meantime? So I think like for me, that's what I kind of look for is just like deep diving deeper into the stories behind people that are already noticeable and in the news. For sure. And that's also like the most challenging part about being a pod podcast guest. Because mm -hmm. like sometimes you have to like roll the dice of just like you have to like assume like maybe there's an interesting story here based on just assumptions. But then when you're wrong, it's just like, well, crap. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you, you sometimes end up with some like super like hot items too. Like if someone tells you a story of like, you know, the funniest drug testing story and it's all of a sudden like really hilarious, you can clip that and it all of a sudden goes viral. And, and yeah. And so like, Sometimes it's it's thinking of what someone hasn't been asked before and making that just interesting and let them roll with it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and and also like when I asked you where's your name come from, that was a you know happened. No one's asked story. me that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if you could go back in time and uninvent something, what would it be? Hmm. This is something I don't like. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uninvent something. Hmm. This one's really tough. It's tricky. If I could uninvent, man, I'm trying to think of something that really gets on my nerves, and I and I can't do, really do, think. Of it. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. For me, and this is gonna be crazy. This, I'm gonna sound crazy for saying this, but shoelaces. Shoelaces. I think shoelaces are holding us back in technology because I think objectively Velcro is better. Okay, but there's a stigma behind it. Like we we, we like shoelaces are a bajillion years old. But mm -hmm. I mean, they're functional, they work, but I feel like we've had so much better technology in, you know, keeping your, your shoe on your foot, but it's just not fashionable. You can't, you can't beat a shoelace. So I think that's holding back uh, the shoe game. Cause I, you know, if Velcro, that's half a second, you can put that on. Oh, easily. Last year during the pandemic, uh, the shoe that I wore the most around the house, cause I really wasn't going anywhere was like the Brooks Adrenaline Walkers. Like those are the, the Velcro versions. Yeah. They're like, they don't even sell them anymore. You have to like really de right. dig into like the, the corners of the internet to to try and find uh find some i'm gonna go with oh man is, is it tough to say like like clocks with the hands like we should have just like uh, always gone to like the numbers version of it this is I what agree. i just like looked up and i saw a huge clock and i'm I like agree. i don't i don't even look at this thing and like <laughs> I, know, I just go to my wrist or i even go to my phone like let's get rid right. of this thing let's just right. why didn't we just start with the get with the one the, the, the digital one i agree I agree. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm trying to think there's definitely like I, another interesting like question is just sort of like, what would you have liked to have been around for the invention of like, as, as opposed to doing away with one, it's like, which one, do, what do you think you wish you invented? Like the concept of a chair, like a chair being invented was, is brilliant. Like, and then, I, then I it know. goes to that, it goes to that big question that everyone always asks is like, what, what do you think there's more of in the world? Are there more chairs or are there more humans? And I think it could be, it could be uh, <laughs> chairs. Well, that, that's funny. That's funny you say that because I was, I was. Uh, this this sticks in my mind. I was uh, scrolling through through Reddit, and there is an, an ask Reddit of like like what was an idea that you thought was brilliant when you were drunk, but then once you sobered mm -hmm. up, it was stupid. And the one of the top rated ones that stuck in my head is this guy had just visited 
uh, I think like Nigeria or something in Africa. And he was saying about how everyone's sitting on the ground and that he, he was like, you know, they don't, no one has chairs over there. And so he was like, that was his idea to like market chairs to Africa. So, wow. <laughs> so yeah, so some places they don't have even have chairs. For, yeah. Cause you if know. you think about it, look around the room that you're in right now, how many chairs are there? I'm like, I I've, I'm sitting in one chair. I've got two chairs right in front of me and I've got a couch right behind me. Like there's, I got tons of chairs. I'm outnumbered right now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Not a bad problem to have, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then last but not least, favorite apple. Favorite apple. I'm going to go with, uh, do I go with Granny Smith? I think I'll go Granny Smith. There you go. That's a popular one. That's yeah. People, so, sometimes when people aren't really well versed in apples, they say green. But, you know, I think that's that's one of the very few green, you know. I can't have even you... think of another green. Have you done the follow-up to ask people if they wash their apples before they eat them? Like, that's, a, that's, that's an a always, like... I think just always kind of ask. You can get, you know, a little bit more from a person, I guess. And figuring out, like, are they the gritty type? We'll just take an apple from the stand and eat it. Or do they have to, like, really wash it? I wash my apples. I I wash my apples, but I could definitely see myself, uh, like, saving time. You know, it depends on the occasion, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That that is because we, I think, you know, I... (laughs) The only reason I asked that question is because because of tradition, you know, I, very, very few and far between interviews do we get, you know, some substance like Eric Jenkins. Yeah, we probably should have a lot to say. Really? Oh, we we should we say. should have a spreadsheet going of like, all right, here's the Granny Smith category. Here's that would like, be yeah. good. That would be that would be a fun like post. Yeah, this is, we need we need an intern. I think I think we just need a City of Smag podcast intern to just go through every episode and like listen out for the for the Apple yeah. question. That, that, that could, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Okay. So we got through that. And before we go into the next segment, never done before and running things considered history, uh, I got to ask all of the listeners to mm-hmm. please, for the love of God, I'm begging you, leave a five-star review on this podcast. Okay. Every time I check sit and kick, it's, we're just like right there. Okay. Like sometimes, really? have more, what it- sometimes they have more, but and that's outrageous. We we cannot ever have Sit and Kick having more five star ratings than us ever, frankly. Uh, so uh, please do that. Check Sit and Kick if, if theirs is higher. Give us a five star review uh, and write write something nice to make me feel better. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Sit and Kick has 137. I think and... we also have 130. Something really? like really. It's always running things close. considered. Let's see. I've got it right here. Running things considered has. 138 you guys are up by one <laughs> that's what i'm talking about everybody that's what i'm talking about but we got to keep it going we got to keep it going. although we like, we, i think we have i think our overall rating is uh, is 4.7 as opposed to five well, there's i always there's avoid talking about that <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. i guess like this is also the time remind people call that's in right. 646-780-9218 that's right. Please call. You know, I, I, that was that was a great part of my segment. But I guess you know, with the new format, you know, we haven't haven't had yeah. as many people call in, unfortunately. So if you call in, we will almost one hundred percent answer your question. Uh, Where so has B Bone been? <laughs> B Bone's been off the map, man. Uh, the one time I, I I DM him every once in a while, and we just talk basketball. So okay, <laughs> I don't know. B Bone's been slipping. He's been slipping for well. It, it was, it's kind of funny because you know, I guess you know his life moves on. You know unfortunately but have we ever I thought think, about bringing bebone on as like a guest co-host like i wonder what he would ask people <laughs> i i do i because uh he's offered i guess adam fogg the youtuber <laughs> okay yeah yeah. They, they know each other so mm-hmm. from drake yeah 
yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna do one with adam fogg eventually <laughs> and i want i want bbone to be my co-host 100 because he was a, he was a fun a fun guest when we had him how yeah. long ago that was that was yeah. one of my favorite episodes because it's like this legend who has been referenced for you know dozens and dozens of episodes and we finally got to learn a little bit more about him. <laughs> i know he, he stayed in character for a good half a second uh, but yeah <laughs> that's fine that's fine we we're happy all right well th- this one i'm gonna run you through a hypothetical scenario okay this is the next next part of the podcast and I am just curious about what you're going to say. So I'm, I'm going to pitch you something and you just, you just answer me. Okay. Use okay. your imagination. That's what I ask of you, Chris Chavez. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. I'll do my best to read. The season is over. It's been the craziest Olympic year of all time. You're exhausted. It's finally time for a break. And then you get settled a little bit. Maybe a few weeks go by and you get an email and it's from the controversial billionaire owner of the WWE. Vince McMahon. He writes, Hey, Chris, I've been thinking about investing money into a new business. WWE is fun and all, but you know, we've kind of done everything. There's not as much excitement. People aren't as excited for these new stars, but I want to meet with you and see if you'd be interested in what I want to call extreme athletics, extreme track for extreme track and field fans. I want to use the world-class athletes in track. We can easily buy them because I, as I said, I'm a billionaire and to do things more entertaining. Yeah entertaining for my degenerate audiences and by the way i can say that uh because i've been to wrestlemania and i'm a huge wwe fan so i can talk bad on wwe fans continuing so i want some ideas on how we can cater to the less tasteful audiences of track i've been doing this for years my current budget is 15 million dollars for the first season any ideas chris this is great because like this is what i kind of have always kicked around um and I want to kind of incorporate a little bit into uh, the trials of miles meets that we've been doing and trials of miles meets are coming back in 2022. I don't know if that's oh, officially yeah. been announced or anything like that, but um, there's going to be, I think we're going to try and do three or four more stops again next year, different cities possibly. And what's interesting is that you do have a bunch of athletes. And so like if Vince McMahon met with me and he's like, Hey, here's $15 million and like, we'll do one full season. I think what you do need is that, that, triple crown like incentivize it you know boil it down to like a couple races you really hone in on personalities i've gotten hooked on this formula one show on netflix oh incredible incredible drive Drive yeah incredible like so it wasn't until that that i really cared about formula one and now i know more about the people so i think like part of it is also spending on yes the athlete but i think a good chunk of it would be spending on the storytelling let's let's uh spend on like some documentary filmmakers to follow around five or six guys. Um, and if they're competing in the 1500 or the five K or something like that, follow them around for the whole season. And then, you know, you craft like a season's worth of content out of it. Um, and it gets people hooked on what exactly is going on. So I think that is part of like really important. Um, the presentation and the storytelling within the sport, there's way, there's ways of improving it. Like, the one downside is that track has so many athletes. There's, it's impossible to be like, these are going to be the 20 track athletes that we're going to like hone in on because you, between male and female, between distance and sprints and jumps and throws, like there's just so much to, to focus on. But for starters, you can be like, all right, season one with Vince McMahon's money, we're going to focus on 
four milers and like it'll be four male milers and we're going to tell their stories or four female milers and we're going to tell their stories the one i would love to see is shot put like i'm a big throws guy now and so like what if we had a documentary film crew fall around joe kovacs ryan krauser and like uh tom walsh Darrell hill and like their different lifestyles and then ultimately what it comes to all right we're going to the rome diamond league we're going to the pre-classic and we're going to see them with you know have these big throws and all that kind of stuff so like i think the of the 15 million dollars i would probably spend like i don't know five to seven million on the storytelling and then the rest like we can actually use to incentivize into you know athletes actually making their best if if this was a live product, let's gamble on it. Let's let's. I think that makes things so much more interesting. I think it'll be big in 2028 when the Olympics roll around to Los Angeles. Like gambling at that point should be sports gambling should be legal across the country. Um, so I think that's when tracks really going to have a big boom. Um, and why kind of like for me, I'm like I'm in it for the long haul because I I kind of have this ho- hope that I'm holding out that 2028 is going to be big. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and to, and to go back, this, this kind of sparked my interest is you, are you, are you, are you, are you, uh, I guess, hopeful about, I guess, uh, sports gambling and do you think that's really, really has a place in track? I think so. I mean, we, people sports gamble on, on horses all the time. Horse racing is, is track is human horse racing. And oh, like, yeah. uh, you know, if I brought out a friend of mine to a track meet and I said to him, it's like, all right, pick a runner, and that's your that's your horse for the day. Like, put some money on him. You're gonna be invested in that in that person. It's gonna be great when like us track and field junkies kind of have a better idea and like uh, the leg up on people because yeah. we know just exactly. It's like, all right, I'm gonna put most of my money down on Matt Centritz to win this thing when everyone's you know doesn't really know or like Yard Nagoose who like who would have who would have put their money on him like not too many people i would have i picked him to make the team um that's where like the bets pay off and like you're more invested in it, it, it it's funny because i'll tell the story because it, it was cool in 2019 i was at a bar in in new york city downtown mm-hmm. and nikki hiltz was running in the 1500 meter final and i told all the people around me that Nikki was a friend of mine and I had money on this race if they made the team. And the money I had invested was that if Nikki made the team, I told them that they should say legs are feeling good on the broadcast. And in the post-race interview, Nikki said like snuck in legs are feeling good. That's electric. And so then I had to Venmo Nikki a hundred bucks. Wow. It, it was, but, but to the people around me, they just knew that I had money on Nikki making the top three. Yeah. So as the race is going on, I told them watch, watch for them in uh, the, I think it was like a black and white hit sure. at the time. And all of a sudden everyone in the bar was invested in this race. So you're like, let's go, let's go. And then, Nikki finishes third, the place erupted and it was fantastic. We, we watched the interview. I think it had closed captioning at the bar. And when, when Nikki said legs are feeling good, it showed up on the screen. That's when I pulled out my Venmo, Venmo to hundred bucks and yeah, they won the bet. And so 
the, that the, made it so much more interesting. I had money on sure. the line. People were invested in the story or not even just the story, but the fact that there's a, there's a risk involved. Right. And the, the reason I asked that is, is kind of like right, right uh, around the time where, you know, I, I decided uh, to not, not, not run as much. I was like, ideas like, what am I going to do next? Like, what am I going to be passionate about next? And one of the things that I was stuck on for a few days was, uh, you know, since I'm, I'm in computer science, I make apps. I was like, if I could be the first to make a, a track and field app and I look and all the, all the, the, I guess the, since I guess, you know, it's a very competitive field sports betting mm -hmm. already. Uh, but you know, people only really have, um, platforms for like the Olympics and that's about it. Like, yeah. and I guess Monaco is sports betting too, uh, but that's more of just, you know, for the, yeah, in Europe. Yeah, there. like Zurich and Zurich and Monaco, I think might be two of the ones that you can actually bet on in Europe. Yeah. That's where in as we're kind of approaching probably Paris or even um, even Los Angeles in 2028, they're going to need people to write those lines, people who know the sport and like to yeah. do the programming on like odds and that kind of stuff, which yeah. is where some of us might become more valuable than we even think right now. Uh, right. Those are dream jobs for some people. It's to be able to be the person who sets the line on if, if uh, Cole Hawker is going to medal, yes yeah, or no. Yeah. Pole vault. Oh, I mean, pole vault is like the roulette of, of track and field, whether <laughs> yeah, or not really they're going to clear it. Yes or no. Yeah. There's no gray area on that. Right. Um, and then shot put, I think shot put would be so much fun to watch live betting. If you had it on your phone mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, over under, you know, 23, one is, is, uh, is crowds are going to throw farther than that over under yes or no. Like it, it would be so much fun to be able to watch the meet and have your phone out in the stands. Like, come on. Like it, it, we're, I, we're, I, I agree it's, it's the next thing, but here, here's my pushback. And this, this is, uh, you know, cause I was doing a ton of research on this to see if, you know, if it was something that I could really get excited about. And, you know, naturally I ended up on, you know, there's a few let's run threads on betting and it's kind of split. Cause like most people I talk to are like, Oh yeah, betting is good. But mm -hmm. the more I think about, you know, of, of doing that, like what's the uh, responsibility for me, uh, I guess, as the one doing it is since I guess in general track athletes don't make a ton of money and right you know, I, I feel like it, it, it's a very slippery slope of, you know, you know, I, I guess what's, what's happened in, I guess, professional baseball historically is, I guess, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll throw the, the race, you know, mm -hmm. how are you going to do that, uh, account for that. And so that, that was an interesting problem that, you know, I've, that's the concern for sure. But then at the yeah. same time, like for some of the athletes, like, are you going to really throw the Olympic final? where you have gold on the line because all your buddies have, you know, gold, uh, you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars on like someone else in the race. Like really, I don't think you can get as, as deep into the weeds on, on match fixing or race fixing. Um, sure. It probably will end up being a problem, but I think the, the greater payoff of getting people in the door at first will be, will be big. And then from there, yes, the problems are going to per persist, but I think now is the time to prep for those sort of like, how do we get ahead of the, you know, race fixing? Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. And, and also like, as we all know, like across the country, you know, th there's a ton of legislation about to make all that stuff legal. I think already in like maybe like 10 States or something, it's completely legal. Uh, yeah. It is in Oregon. It, it's, it's, it's oh, sports really? gambling is, is legal in Oregon. I, you're, I was able to place a couple bets on, on my phone while I was out there, but not on, not on any track and field. There were just weren't any odds or anything like that, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's a thing to give thought to for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, I think this next one kind of goes right into this. All right. So 
now we're going to get into the bulk of the podcast, you know, for, for those that are listening for the first time, how this kind of, how this podcast works is if I have five trivia questions that somehow relate to Chris's life. And from there, the answer to the question will then go into an interview question, hopefully a good conversation. So awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. So are you ready for the first one? This one, this one, this one, this one should be a layup. Are you ready? All right, let's do it. All right. On a post-race interview, Ellie Purier was so excited about the race she just ran that she accidentally said the F word live on television. What track meet was this? Was this the trials? It was the trials, right? Yeah, it was the trials. Yeah. It was Olympic trials. You know, I feel like there wasn't a single question I could ask about that, that you wouldn't already know. Um, so, but the thing was, I didn't catch it. Like I wasn't watching like the race broadcast, so I didn't really I know. Hoping. I think I think That's it was, was just hoping. that on Twitter, yeah. But I <laughs> yeah. saw that she dropped it on Twitter. Uh, or people were tweeting about the fact that she dropped it live on the air. But yeah, for sure. So I, you know, I'm just very generally cast a net. You were busy that week. Yeah, you were so super my, busy that week. I was exhausted. No one was more relieved for the trials to be over than like my Whoop band, uh, Kyle and I. I think have been <laughs> saying that to a bunch of people because uh it was i i barely ran the entire time i think i ran twice while i was in eugene but that was also because i was, I was dealing with like an it band uh sure, sure. injury but um yeah my routine was wake up in the morning go meet you know uh kyle nick willis and mac at the tracksmith house and we would come up with our predictions for the day we did the daily prediction contest and then from there hang out record a podcast or two if we had guests coming in then from there uh, go to the track meet, sit through the entire track meet, live tweet. I had to write a story for Sports Illustrated every day. So write that, finish that up within like the hour of the final event. And after that, then I'd make my way from the stadium to the tracksmith house, record a podcast with Kyle, edit the podcast, produce it and publish it uh, online, make the, you know, tease it on Twitter or whatever it was, write the show notes for it too. Like it was a lot i was so tired and then after that like after the last thing was done now we have people we know who are out and about at the wild duck or like uh you know celebrating making an olympic Can't team. miss out on that yeah i'm not gonna miss out on that yeah. so like really you're my, we pushed our bodies to, <laughs> to the limit i feel like over the course of those two weeks yeah i feel like times like that are always like you know, they're kind of like super stressful and you're always in the moment during, but then after the fact, you're just like, dude, I rock. Like that was yeah. awesome. You know, yeah. it was a ton <laughs> um, of fun uh, and really rewarding, especially like now that people have told us like they enjoy doing like listening to me and Kyle do the daily podcast. We're going to bring it back for the Olympics. Um, so we'll do that again. And so, yeah, it was, it, it was a labor of love, but it paid off. Yeah. And then I guess, uh, tracksmith house you you did you get linked up through um i'm blanking on his name but uh so so i guess you, you guys you guys were linked up with uh with with tracksmith kind of how was that and i guess you guys got to talk to a lot of their athletes too it was good yeah tracksmith reached out we did we just we agreed to like a like a podcast sponsorship deal with them to give them like the exclusive rights to the content we were producing over those those 10 days and so um yeah it was kind of like our main hub we would see athletes coming in like the tracksmith amateur support program athletes coming in and like getting massages or eating lunch and that kind of stuff and so it was cool to see because like if you think about it, like there's so many people who qualify for the trials that aren't at like that top, top level, like 
maybe this is their first ever like us championship. And when you get to a stage like that, you're kind of lost sometimes. Um, you don't know, uh, what, aside from being in a hotel, like what is it that you're going to do? And so Tracksmith created this hub for their athletes. A lot of them amateur, like amateur people who like sometimes hold, hold these full-time jobs. And this was maybe their first championship, uh, for them to come out, hang out, you know, talk, hang out with people, uh, you know, have some lunch or have some breakfast, coffee, uh, get a massage if they really needed to get outfitted in a bunch of new tracksmith gear for, for competition. And so that was cool to see. And then of course, like for us to have like a front row seat to see, like sometimes people would come in afterwards and celebrate that they made the team tracks yeah. ended up with five Olympians. And that's, that's a lot. That's, it's more, more than some like footwear companies, which is yeah, interesting. Yeah. I, and no, so that was, yeah. nice. And so like, we got to be a part of the celebration as well. And then jump on a podcast with like Mason fur, like or Valerie Constein, uh, right after they made the team. And, and it was cool because, we were so limited. Like there was no ver actual live mix zone. So like when we got the chance to sit down with people, like for 20, 30 minutes, like that was big. And it was like the, it was oh, original sure. content that we were hustling to, to produce. Yeah. Uh, and I think even Tracksmith, like as a company, um, you know, people like, you know, they, they kind of have like a niche audience. Like some people love them. Some people are like, okay, I like, I get the gimmick, but whatever. I think they absolutely they had an amazing year to have five Olympians. I guess from, I mean, maybe a few years ago, not existing as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Not even being at like uh, present, like at the trials on like athletes really. Yeah. No. I, and, and their, their ads were great. Yeah. I think they're, they're, they did awesome. And so I guess yeah, they had a commercial. It was awesome. It was oh, airing yeah. all over NBC. And then like the funniest part was like, I think three of the Olympians were throwers and you don't think of Tracksmith as like a, as a throws company. So like we were joking, Oh, you got to change the name now to throw Smith. Yeah. Uh, field, <laughs> field Smith. Field and, Smith. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that was cool to see because it was like a sense of community around people who might sometimes be outcasting by themselves, like for on, sure on such a big stage. Yeah. No, that, that was awesome to see. And, and then also um, I guess for Kyle Merber to be there, that was, I guess his first, Maybe it's, I mean, his first real Olympic trials, not being an athlete. Yeah. Um, it seemed like he had a great time and you guys had great chemistry. Yeah. Kyle and I crushed it. It was, it was, it was fun. And for Kyle, it was funny because like, I think within three days he said like, I'm more tired now than I was like as an athlete, because if you think about it and at being an athlete at the trials, sometimes you're just waiting in your hotel for your event and like, or distracting rounds and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're not really doing too much. You're kind of waiting for you to be done so you can join everyone else and like celebrating. The thing about for the 15 sure. is that it's one of the last events. So like if you're a 1500 meter runner at the trials, you're going to wait till the very end yeah. sort of until um, you can even think about going out and hang out. With for people. sure. Yeah. And, and some, I mean, I mean, podcasting, while I, you know, it is like one of the easiest forms of media, it does take, you know, some, some energy it does take some mental energy yeah. a focus for that long. You can sometimes be tough. Uh, we talked about how tired we were multiple times because it was, <laughs> yeah. it's like, we, it's a full day. <laughs> I, I got a Red Bull right next to me. I do that every podcast. Uh, but, um, but yeah. And then also, I guess what, what you said that kind of made me smile was uh, the show notes for me, that is that is like the final kick for a podcast. It, it somehow takes like an hour to write like a paragraph, you know, like yeah. to think of the, uh, the, the, the clickbait. I'm just like, Oh my God. Like, 
getting that I made out. Kyle write them. Part. Like, I think every time we had an interview, I told Kyle, I was like, can you write this one? Like, I've got to, you know, do the production and like all this kind yeah. of other stuff. So he was <laughs> like, all right, yeah, sure. I can write it. Oh yeah. Um, and then, and then finally on this question, uh, you got, you, you, you got a little appearance on some major news networks talking about, uh, you know, Shakiri's uh, little case there. Yeah, it was on CNN and CNBC. Uh, it was my first time ever on CNN. I was nervous. Like I, I really maybe didn't look like it. I think so. <laughs> but I was nervous because it was yeah. live. It was, it was, live. it wasn't pre-recorded. It was live. Um, a friend of mine actually sent me a photo because he was like in the airport, and all of a sudden, like he just sees my face on there talking about Shakari Richardson's suspension. But yeah, super unfortunate story for the sport even more unfortunate for shakari richardson um and like but i you know in the grand scheme of things too it's just like i'm i'm also thinking the rule is dumb like the 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 ban uh yeah for like marijuana is legal in in 19 i think states right now including oregon including oregon i guess like it does come down to the world anti-doping agency setting these rules and because it's a world thing and not just like a u.s thing there's so many other places in the world where you know marijuana is totally outlawed uh so we might be ahead of like the times here but test like penalizing someone like this uh this much i think is is unfortunate and so like it would have like the, the crazy part was there was a case with uh, Kamari Montgomery, I think it was, was another sprinter who tested positive for marijuana and served a, a you know a short ban just like Shakari Richardson did about a month ago or last month, uh, and it didn't get any sort of attention mainstream wise. David Melly put out a tweet that said like why are we still punishing people for you know uh, substances like this? So it was like kind of it was out there. It just so happens that this impacted a big U.S. star on the, for the biggest yeah. stage, and now yeah. it's just wide attention. And so, hopefully, you know, you hate to say like this is the she's going to be like the sacrificial you know lamb that is going to lead to change within the sport, but it has gotten people talking. And so, um, I don't know when it is we'll find out whether or not she's going to be part of the four by one relay. Yes or no, but. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing, and you know, yeah. my guess is the pre-classic is going to be the chance where we're going to be able to see Shakira Richardson face off against the Olympic champion, whether it's Shelly Ann Fraser Price or Elaine Thompson oh, in a sure. straight up 100. Yeah, like that's going to be must watch, and I hope that there's people uh, that the people behind the pre-classic and Nike or whatever it is market that well enough to tap into like the, all this momentum that mm-hmm. people are like, yeah, like I want to see her run, want to see her run. Okay. Well you will be able to, it just won't be at the Olympics. It'll be at the pre-classic. Right. Now let's, let's get your eyeballs on it. And, and here's, here's my perspective. So, I mean, I definitely understand rules are rules and you know, like it would go against, you know, I mean, it, it wouldn't, you know, I, I guess as a governing body to, you know, to go back on that, um, you know, you just can't do that because it delegitimizes yourself. But um, I mean, obviously it's enforced. Like it's stupid. Like it, it definitely made her run slower, if anything. But from me growing up and I guess like, you know, in, in the Logan Paul, Jake Paul generation, uh, how, how I see like uh, how that and the, the positives of it is right now she's has is the biggest track star, I think, in the world. And mm-hmm. her her getting on those news sources and how well she handled it. Um, has gotten her 
an absurd amount of publicity that I don't think she would, she would get, uh, she would get otherwise. Um, so, and I know people were saying like, Oh my God, it's probably lost her like a ton of money in the trials lost her like sponsorship. I, I mean, yeah, definitely. It's sad. I mean, I'm sure she doesn't really care about money. I'm sure she, you know, she's, she's an athlete. Her goals are more wholesome than that. But at the same time, this, I think this could really just rocket ship propel her career uh, for later years, just because now she got so much buzz and attention around her. Yeah, I mean, when after Michelle Obama shouted her out on Twitter, she had I think one point four, one point two, like million followers on on Instagram. She's up to two million right now. I'm looking She's at her up profile. To two mi- Before the trials, I think I checked. She had like four hundred thousand, uh, which was already 000, yeah. unheard of for a track athlete. And now she has two million, and she didn't mm-hmm. even has she even posted since then. She's she posted. No, she hasn't posted since then because yeah. it's two more rounds on June 18th is what she posted. And I then know. from there, like, like so. the next post is going to blow up. Well, the other thing, too, is I think I saw she went live a couple of days ago. Oh, did she? Um, but it was just she just went live and didn't say anything. It was 30,000 people were tuned in to watch the live. And it was just a bunch of comments of like, you know, we stand with you, support you and all that kind of stuff. Didn't say a word. And then that was it. And like, if yeah. it wasn't even safe or anything like that, it was just. She's got like a lot of eyes on her yeah. right now. Two steps back. Let's and see how steps forward. Hopefully, yeah. Let's see what hopefully comes out of this. But yeah, if we were wondering like who's the next star after Usain Bolt, like maybe under unfortunate circumstances, this has fallen on her shoulder now. For sure, for sure. And you know, she I, she definitely has the head on her shoulders to handle that. Mm-hmm. All right, you ready for the next one? Yeah. All right. This word is used to describe real events as well as fake events, as well as the work that needs to be done on a project and temporary images on social media. One word to describe all of these. What was the first part of that? The word is used to describe real events, fake events, work that needs to be done on a project and temporary public images on social media. All of these have one common word story correct it is wow it's story it's story <laughs> yeah <laughs> nailed it I, I i at first i was like history and then i was like no, no no story i think so i broke it down mentally it took me a second but i got there it. there you go there you go well this is what you do you tell stories so first off i guess i want to just pick your mind pick your perspective when looking at you know the instagram feeds of all these athletes what do, what do you look for in a story that that you feel like needs to be told yeah, it's it's a great question because we just kind of went over this with like the Magic Boost program that um, but that I helped start and like uh, Michelle Samet from Spikes Magazine and and World Athletics spoke about this. But what makes the best story is just sort of like the if I, going beyond just the um, the Instagram post. Uh, she gave a great example about how uh, Carson Warholm, like the four hundred meter hurdler, world record holder now, he post these photo, funny photos all the time with him and his coach. And it's one thing for you to like, for someone to like write a quick story, like some blogs do where it's like, you just write a hundred words and then embed like the, the, the post within the story. Yeah. And that's it. You get the clicks off of whatever viral video or moment is happening, but it's another thing to actually take the extra step to report and like help further that story. So that's not just embedding a, a photo of Carson Walholm and his coach. That's, you know, reaching out to, 
to him, hearing how did exactly did you guys get connected? Who takes these photos? Like get the story behind this, the post and like what what's their relationship like? And then that makes for a much better overall product than just the little clickbait. Now you have something that can be used to uh, and promoted multiple times. Like they, Spikes Magazine did this exact example that that um, I'm referring to. And so now they have a story on Carson Walholm and his coach. And anytime he does something crazy, you can tweet that link out. And it's an evergreen sort of story that lives on yeah. for a long time. So that's kind of what I try and look for um, in what makes a good story. Um, I've got one that I'm working on for Sports Illustrated right now that uh, hopefully will be out within the next like couple days. Actually, I'll tell it to you guys because like by the time this comes out, maybe the story's out already. But um, uh, who is it? It was... Oh, Quanisha Burks is a is a long jumper. She finished third in the long jump at the Olympic trials, made the Olympic team. Uh, she tweeted once that she worked at McDonald's and like had a photo of her working at McDonald's and then now like of her, you know, competing and jumping. And so that tweet, you know, had 3000 likes or whatever it is. Uh, it kind of went viral and blew up because that's cool like yeah she was she worked at mcdonald's and now is making like an olympic dream come true mm -hmm. so i reached out to her and i wanted to hear more about it like i want to hear more about what it, when it was like how when was she working at mcdonald's what hours was she working how did that overlap with training and school and just like your her personal life and she was so excited to tell the story because no one had really bothered to ask um in the event of the long jump you have Brittany Reese, who's a world champion and an Olympic medalist. And so she took the win. Great. Amazing. Right. There's your story. She's won. She's dominant. Fantastic. Second place, Tara Davis, big YouTube star, big on TikTok, the Hunter Woodhall's uh, girlfriend, mm -hmm. you know, NCAA champ out of Texas, a star in the making and rising. So Quanisha gets overlooked a little bit here in third place. And I kind of you have to dig sometimes for what for for the story it's never you don't always have to settle for the first and second place winner go to third go to fourth right. get the story of heartbreak and that kind of stuff so for me it's thinking outside the box a little bit and and finding what hasn't been shared before and who you can help maybe along the way um to get that attention that may, that they deserve so that's how kind of like i bounce around with ideas from time to time yeah uh, and I, I definitely think because i've been you know, I, I didn't even know that name because first and second place were, you know, superstars. Right. And yeah. so it, it is kind of easy to be in the shade of those two athletes, but yet again, like everyone for the all, like even the Bible loves rags to riches stories, you know, everyone yeah. for as long as we've known has loved rag to riches stories. So, um, hey, well, Kanisha Burks for that. also like it was on, I think what she's gotten some attention on like good morning America and like, uh, e because she's big on TikTok and this is an area oh, that you is? kind of like yeah, yeah so she on TikTok I think over the past couple of months has been posting videos saying like manifesting and out loud saying I'm going to make this Olympic team I'm going to make this Olympic team and now that she has made the Olympic team it's blown up because she really leaned into like if you believe in something and you manifest it it will come yeah. true and so that it's been interesting to see that her TikTok has blown up a little bit more because now there's all these videos from before she made it that poetically have tied into the fact that she did make it. So it's it's really cool to see how stories can take life not immediately, but after the fact. I mean, give it a couple of weeks. It's it's sort of like I guess you can sure. speak to it a little bit more about like the TikTok algorithm. Like you can post something today 
but it won't go viral for another like two weeks because the algorithm finally like pick it up and put it in front of people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 that that is one thing. Although TikTok, you know, it, it low key controls everyone's mind, but um, that is one beautiful part is it knows where attention deserves to be in a sense always like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't lie um yeah and and i guess i guess i guess to that point of i guess like um manifestation i guess just like as a whole thing is kind of trendy in a sense yeah. right now so it, it i mean i kind of feel silly not even knowing not even being in the loop of all that because it sounds like it's literally the perfect storm um to make an olympic team and then you know I, I, I guess people are going to remember that because it really resonates yeah. with people, you know, and especially, you know, I guess American and Western culture is like the dream is kind of what we build our culture around. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. And I mean, uh, just, just in general, are, are, is there like a, although that one's, that one's awesome. Is there like a favorite story in that, that, that you remember telling on your, on your platform, whether it be sports illustrated, is there something that pops in your head? Yeah. So the big one that I have pinned on my like Twitter profile is the longest thing I've ever written for Sports Illustrated, which was last summer. It was uh, right after, um, you know, the death of George Floyd. And there was, you know, a bunch of civil unrest in in the United States with these protests and this awakening of, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. I was kind of thinking, I was like, so what, what can I do? Like, I'm, you know, a sports writer. The biggest platform I have is Sports Illustrated how can I do my role in like raising awareness in this for this movement and, and just doing my part to amplify these voices that have, haven't been heard um, and their experiences. So like I decided to come up with the idea of talking to 14 track and field athletes. They were all black. Um, they're not all American. I think Mohamed was in there as well, but just kind of their experience of what does it mean to be black in America what is an encounter with racism that shaped them into the person that they are today? And then what do they want to see change and how do they want to see change happen? And so I asked those three questions to 14 people. And then like from there, I got every single one of their answers and kind of compiled it all into one story. Um, not, not necessarily a story, but like a whole, just, it was a pool of their answers uh, for 7,000 plus words. And it kind of like for as, harrowing and like daunting and 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 upsetting some of the stories were it was yeah yeah, but it was also like it was real it was these real life experiences because for me I thought about it as like we celebrate these athletes so many times when they make the Olympic teams but we never kind of like peel back that extra curtain of like to them like what what has been the tough part of just being just existing in America as as a as a black person or any other person of color um so that's like the thing. It's like, we're very quick to tell the, the stories of like, here's their, their really lux- luxurious life. And here's all the great things that they're, that they're doing. And so for me, this to learn that these awful things can happen to them uh, and that they're mistreated just in general and not even seen sometimes as a human being was, was upsetting, but important, I think at that time to amplify and, and echo. So for me, that, that story will always like, I think, hold a special place for me. Yeah, I remember that. That that was that was, uh, you did a really good job with that. Um, that, that I appreciate I, that. That was good. That was really good. Um, and, and, and yeah, and it is really like the the moments that kind of last throughout history almost is when sports do kind of collide with um, politics, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, a lot of it has to do with race. Um, yeah. Uh, for especially in American history, um, it goes back to I guess the first boxing stars to you know 
baseball and you know mm -hmm. still still happening today unfortunately um but yeah I mean, and it'll be interesting to see that. how it happens at the olympics at the olympics i'm sure it'll be a big thing especially yeah. this time around yeah absolutely um so to have a have a part in that's definitely mm -hmm. definitely is awesome all right you ready for the next one yeah all right in september 2000 the first system that enabled the selection, automatic downloading, and storage of MP3 audio content on PCs and portable devices was launched known as MyAudio2Go.com. This was the first platform that hosted what? Podcast. Podcast. Yeah. It's podcast. That's correct. Podcast. Three for three. That's so interesting. I, I, never, I never gave thought to what the origins of podcasting was. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I didn't my read audio too, too much. My audio to go. It was a company called i2go, which was just an, an audio format. But mm -hmm. and then I guess early in the website, uh, I guess early in the internet days, um, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure it was a process to get those MP3 mm -hmm. files. But, but yeah, <laughs> podcast. I guess on the internet at least, or you know, around yeah. 20 years old. So. Um, you know, we've kind of talked about the stories you tell and all that, but I kind of want to dive, dive deeper into what podcasts give you the most inspiration. Uh, the Bill Simmons podcast, I think has been a big source of inspiration. I just like the way he has these laid back conversations with athletes and movie stars and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And even just sometimes his friends or so I've taken a lot of pages out of the way he's formatted his show. Um, so kind of when I started Sidious, it was just like, what can we, can I do this for within running? And so that's, that's how that came about. And then I, you know, relied on sort of my access um, through covering the sport. Like I've been covering track and field now for nine years. And so uh, my phone book is fairly, you know, thick to the point where like I can, you know, if someone runs really fast, there's a chance I could get them on the podcast within the next week or so. And so yeah, yeah. that's always, that's always fun for me is to be kind of like the, like, yes, there'll be like interviews right afterwards, but it'll be like the news story or like the a couple quotes here and there. But for me to be able to sit down with someone for 30 minutes or that they'll make an hour for me, like that means a lot. And so I hope that my hope is that, you know, the people listening to it also take a lot more away from it. Absolutely. Um, and then I'm sure you've probably gotten better, better at podcasting throughout the years. Um, what, what, what are kind of like the, the rules of thumb for conversation that, mm -hmm. that you kind of always have in the back of your mind when going through a podcast, whether it may be slow or it's going well? Yeah, I, I don't go into it thinking like I'm going to get this story from someone or like a gotcha moment or anything like that. Like no one wants to be trapped or feel like totally uh, you know, just hit with something out of left field that's going to make them uncomfortable. Then you just make the conversation super awkward for the yeah. remainder of it, or it's or it's over. I've definitely uh, done that before. Yeah. <laughs> so, like for me, I, I just keep it fairly laid back. Like it's not. I wear kind of two different hats when I'm when I'm doing a story for Sports Illustrated. It's definitely more analytical, like not analytical, but like I'm right. I'm catering to a different audience. Like this is the mainstream sports fan that doesn't you know watch track and field 80% of the year. Um, so with Sidious, it's more, I can geek out and I can go back and like, be like, all right, Jenny Simpson, tell me about, you know, 2015 world championships in, in Beijing. And like, she'll know what I'm talking about. The audience will know what I'm talking about. And we can like nerd out for a bit and tell these deeper stories of things that we kind of know about. And so, uh, it's, 
there's sometimes I don't, I go into interviews and I don't write anything down. I'm like, and I'm just like, well, this is going to be a conversation. So uh, that can sometimes be fun because you're getting to just react in real time to what the person is saying. Or genuine. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I play around with it many different ways. Sometimes like I'll be super prepared for a podcast and like the Nick Willis episode that I said is one of my favorites. I had a bunch of notes in front of me and I had videos queued up because I wanted to really tack into his brain and be like, do you remember this? And like, t- tell me, take me through what was going on here and that kind of stuff. And he acknowledged, I think another reason what made that episode so good was that he saw how prepared I was. He knew I did my research and my homework on him. So he was going to give it right back. Like it, it wasn't something like I just showed up and I was like, all right, let's chat. Like he respected that I prepped and like looked into a lot of his career and was willing to, you know, take the extra step to, to tap into different things. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, that, that is one thing that I have to really use a lot of, I guess, bandwidth in, uh, in this podcast is because it is kind of game show like, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I love to get the deeper conversations. And so I accidentally do surprise guests a little too much by asking too much too soon. Um, I think it's good. It's an, art. Like some, it's an art. I, I, I like when you tap into people and like get into stories that their fr- they, they probably only told their friends and they, and you somehow got a hold of, uh, and so yeah, the beer mile guys do that too. Uh, yeah. Sometimes they really, the, it's an athlete to athlete sort of conversation, especially when it's with you. Um, so it, it's a different tone for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but then, you know, I, I you know, um, I, I, I do, I, I guess when you think of, uh, I guess like some of the best podcasters in the world, um, such as, you know, Ben Simmons. And although he, he says a lot of stupid things, uh, Joe Rogan, um, he, he is kind of like, like those guys can almost have a conversation with a five-year-old, you know? Yeah. It, it is kind of impressive that they know just like they see someone and they say, okay, we have this in common. Let's go from there and then go from there and go from there. And they, I don't think they really do much notes. Um, I think that kind of is what makes someone like Joe Rogan a little bit popular to a lot of people is that he'll sit down with like an expert in like UFOs or something like that. And he'll ask the stupid questions that like, so, like, what would you ask like a, a UFO expert? And it's because like, he's, he's not as educated on it or hasn't maybe, I'm sure he gets briefings and like, and like a, you know, notes package on like what maybe some background is on a person, Apparently but, really, not. but, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, sometimes he'll just straight up ask what people would ask themselves. And I think that's what kind of makes him popular before he sticks like his foot in his mouth. So yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not to say that he does a, a bad job because I think he does a good job uh, in general. It's just, you know, kind of his flavor isn't for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and and also this the same fact I think he has more hours of podcasting. Yeah. He he has maybe triple more hours of podcasting than the next person. No, yeah. I mean, like yeah. the, the man does isn't on a set schedule. He publishes whenever he wants, and the episodes can be three, four hours yeah. sometimes. Nuts. It's it's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. And, and but he's I worth a hundred hundred million dollars on Spotify. So I mean, power that's to him. That value. Yeah. Uh, have have you kind of found yourself as like? legitimately being a better communicator ever since starting the podcast? Cause that's something uh, I'm noticing myself. 
I think so. Like, I think I, I'm better off at, at having conversations sometimes with strangers. Like th- mm-hmm. there'll be people who come up to me and like, tell me that they listen to the podcast and I'm much easier about like, at first I was probably like, Oh, that's so weird. Like, I, like I can't really hold that conversation. I thank the person, you know, I wonder what, you know, how they got into it, where they're from. I get, I, I learn a little bit more about that person at first. Maybe I was a little bit shyer about it, but you know, that's, it, it, that's the reason why I do it. I do it is because mm-hmm. people enjoy it and people listen to it. Like if I had, 10 people listening to the podcast then I, maybe I would have cut the, pulled the plug on it much sooner. But the fact that I listen and I see the numbers week in and week out, like I'm like, all right, someone out there is enjoying this. Someone has this on their run. Someone has this on their walk and it's, it's making, not making their day necessarily, but, but it's something that they've been looking forward to or they wanted yeah. it took interest in. And so yeah. um, if I'm there to provide that, then that makes it worth it for me. I agree. I agree. Well, let's get into the next one. Are you ready? Yeah. This one's probably easy, but the next one's hard. All right. Okay. The next one's hard. Described as a live podcast mixed with a tracks meet. Okay. I'll say it again. I burped. Sorry. Sorry, listeners. Described as a live podcast mixed with the track meet. The Mexican national record for the 800 was set here by Jesus downtown Tantanal Lopez. What me is this? Oh, that had to have been. Was it because he won two of the three trials and miles races that had to have been Kansas City? It yeah, Kansas, Kansas City because it was super windy that day. Yeah, yeah, which is incredible. And he had the Air Force guy right behind him. Yeah, yeah, Michael Rhodes. He had a hell of a season too. He, yeah, he, he's. I, I, I remember my, Michael Rhodes. The first time I ever raced him was 2018 indoor indoor nationals mm-hmm. and he was in my prelim with me i say harris bryce hopple was just loaded but we all kind of went out just like a normal 800 prelim we were like 53 and there he was on the other side of the track he went out by himself in 49 seconds oh my gosh <laughs> ended up you know ended up uh not making the final blowing up but you know just to see to see him come all this way uh is is incredible did um, you race isaiah jewett much I, the I, I was at the same meet at him multiple times. I'm okay. not sure if we ever lined up in the same, uh, in the same heat. Cause he, that I think he was D two, wasn't he? Uh, he was at USC. I think, well, I don't know if he was before, before, if he transferred there, I, I think, I think he might've been a transfer. Uh, but okay. yeah, he he's, he's awesome. He's a character. I, I, I oh, DM'd yeah. him, uh, to try and get on the podcast, but it was like, right as he, uh, like it was like, I, I messed up cause it was like the same night as, uh, you know him getting the olympian and so i'm sure yeah, my yeah. message just got swamped somewhere <laughs> but i have i have a naruto poster so that's what i did i have a picture of, of oh wow wall, so i sent him a picture of that being like hey man i'm a real one you know <laughs> there you go well anyways the trials of miles that was i think a big step in the history of sidious mag um how did how did uh getting together that live stream you know what kind of a weight was that on your shoulders so the Trials of Miles guys reached out to me back last fall because they had two meets, one in New Jersey, one in New York, uh, and they wanted to do something differently. So they wanted to put it on YouTube. And so it was sub-elite runners in New York City with like one or two pro races. It was like Johnny Gregoric and Colby Alexander running in a mile. Sure. And like uh, Ali Kiefer, I think, was in like a 5K and then a 10K. Don Cabral was in it. But that was about it. Like it wasn't anything too crazy. So the idea was, all right, let's do that again, like in the spring when we have a meet out in Texas. And if you want to go commentate it, then that'll be great. So we decided me and Kyle would be the commentating duo. I reached out to Kyle. I got his interest in it, especially after he kind of retired. And so um, then 
all of a sudden you realize that this is February and there aren't too many opportunities for pros to race yet. Like there, and the, and the Olympics are only, you know, six months away or whatever it was. So what happened was professional runners and, and coaches and agents jumped on this meet in Austin, Texas. that was supposed to be just a low key sub elite meet. And instead we had to turn it into a two day thing uh, where one night was geared for Olympic trials, qualifying times. And then the Saturday night was going to be geared for Olympic qualifying times. Mother nature, like threw us a little bit of a curveball. It was humid in, in Texas. It was windy in Kansas city and New York. I think we got uh, the best conditions of the three, but my role was just to kind of, you know, make the uh, one, I reached out to a lot of sponsors to help cover the payment of the uh, sure, first sure. meet. Like the trials of miles guys took a loss every single one of those meets. Like it, it was, it was, it's hard to put on a track meet. And so the live stream was expensive. Uh, so for the first one, it was like $14,000 and we had to kind of like chip our way. That's why, you know, we had Pat Price mortgage sponsor race or like, gotta have them. Yeah. You know, Sir Walter Myler and and Drew Wright Roofing Company, all this kind of stuff, like these little sponsors. But that's where the community stepped up, and we got it done. We covered the cost, and um, and then what was really rewarding was just that it, the the coverage was out there for free for people to watch. And for me, that was a big thing, and the reason why I got involved showed up, yeah, because. I became a track fan from stumbling on a live stream on a Friday night. And all of a sudden I got hooked on what I was watching in the interviews. So I wanted to kind of present that experience for someone who might have the same, who might become a fan of the sport because they stumbled on this on YouTube or something. So uh, that was kind of the story behind it. And then, you know, the drone and, and the, you know, it being free and on YouTube and it being the, the, the live chat box and that kind of stuff. Like Love people got into box. it. Yeah. Chat box got a little messy loving. sometimes. It but... did. It, yeah. They like, they liked the Westfly for sure. Yeah. A lot of Westfly fans. <laughs> so that, that was, we were just trying to do something a little bit different. Is it the most, is it the solution for how it's going to go in the future? Probably not. Like it was expensive to pull off and, uh, we don't want to take a loss every single time, but no. there's a way of maybe changing up things. And, you know, late, then after that, we saw a couple runner space meets become free. So it's like, did we put the pressure on a little bit to not necessarily change the game and make everything free all of a sudden? I don't believe in that, but like, yeah, there's a couple windows you can make for people to, you know, present track and, and try and bring in new fans. And so for me, the biggest thing that's important for track to become popular or even more entice entertaining is for the presentation of it to be good and so yeah that's that's you know the commentary that's the graphics that's the it, it's a, a whole lot of things and so i think we did okay sure. at it it was a good it was a good first year and i'm excited to do it again next year yeah yeah because i i do i mean that i i think the first one and like you saw the comments like everyone was head over heels excited about it like oh and it was perfect timing of everyone was waiting for track but on top of that it was just super super well done um are, are you do you do you know too much about like streaming and like the, like the tr like twitch communities and whatnot uh not as much like i that's why we went kind of youtube is very simple and built out but like i'm sure twitch like would be another place that um it, it, that's the other thing too is like i feel like if you told people we're going to stream on twitch a lot of people would be kind of confused yeah. you'd lose some people but youtube it's like i've gotten on youtube i've yeah. been on youtube blah, blah. it and, made it much easier yeah and, and the man and, and 
I guess my, my thinking with that, that question is, I guess like live streaming, it is kind of different than, um, as far as like, like if you're, if you're live streaming for free, um, like, like studying some, like maybe like Twitch streamers and whatnot, like, like how do they get around, um, uh, you know, like, like making it more lucrative, um, maybe yeah, with the some tips things. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 May, maybe tips and, and even, I guess just like, like in between breaks, you know, cause like you guys were talking was, uh, an absolutely great part of it uh did, did you guys interact with the chat much or was it too all over the place? i tried to it was it was all over the place and yeah. like hard to keep track of but i like telling people i was like all right now let's drop like an eric holt chant in the chat and yeah <laughs> yeah awesome well you know i, I definitely hope ho- hope you can i guess you know juice that for many many years to come yeah know, hopefully we'll, yeah kyle and i will be back for it next year i think yeah yeah for sure well Going on into the last and final question. Are you ready? Yeah, let's cap this off. Let's cap this off. Typically experienced for two hours a day by all humans, Sigmund Freud described these as a manifestation of one's deepest desires and anxieties, often relating to oppressed childhood memories or obsessions. What are these? huh dreams yeah you're five for five i gotta get better i gotta write harder questions i thought that was a hard question that was it was it was a little bit of a i scratched my head there i was i was thinking what could this be? i, I thought that. daydreams but then i was like all right it's got to be dreams or ideas was going to be my two answers well there you go dreams that's correct okay and then here is kind of you know similar to the Vince McMahon question, but more specific to Sidious Mag. Let's say five years down the road, um, it's it's your full time job. You have a f- big budget. Where's Sidious Mag? What's your dream? Yeah, I'd love to. Well, one Sidious Mag got popular at the beginning because of the writing on the site. Like there was there was some cool blogs that were really relatable and like we had some really talented people working behind the scenes for it. But then like the thing was like there wasn't any money coming in, and so we had to kind of reassess and think. It was like oh, how how can we make money uh, come in? And so uh, podcasting was the medium to pivot to. And so over the last like two years, that's kind of like how I've leaned. So if you did give me like a big budget, I'd bring back some writing, I'd hire some podcast producers to take the load off of, uh, us handling like all the production stuff, um, social media coordinator and all that. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, my vision for it is to just continue to be provide new and refreshing commentary and analysis and humor, I think, to the sport. Uh, you're always going to have Let's Run as your place to get all the links to news and that kind of stuff. FlowTrack and Runner Space do a great job with video and, and live streaming. And so for me, the happy medium has been podcasting. And so uh, continuing to tell stories in this format and maybe get creative, I think, more down the road. What if we yeah. had an investigative series on a podcast or um what if we did a little bit more narrative storytelling so there's there's ideas where i kind of want to take things sometimes and yeah obviously takes more money and and execution on it but uh yeah it's just continuing to tell awesome stories is is always going to be so part of city so i guess the short answer would be scale yeah i think it's just continue to one hire people to handle a lot of the lift because behind the scenes it's a lot but for sure uh, yeah and then from there really continue to broaden things yeah yeah 
Um, that's awesome. Um, and is, is there a dream podcast guest? Ooh, so I don't think we've, we haven't had him on yet, but since he has Sidious tattooed on him, Centrowitz. Centrowitz would be a good one. So I, I've been, I've been thinking about it, but there's like no way. Cause he, he literally like, you know, sometimes makes fun of other athletes who do, you know, do he has, podcasting. He has Grant Fisher there and he has Woody there who both do podcasts and he's never gone on their shows. So like, I think like if it was a case where, you know, Kyle and I could sit down with him one-on-one, I think it would be for a great episode because I, the thing I like to do, especially with legends like that, mm-hmm. like I'll categorize them in the same category as Jenny and, and Nick. It's taking for a sure. deep dive on their career. I want to hear Daegu, like the stories behind the bronze medal there and what it was like being at that world championships. I want to hear London fourth place finish. And then, you know, Rio, the after party and that kind of stuff. Like yeah. if he was, if he was a guest, like it would be, I, I think peeling back a lot of stories that maybe we haven't heard before. And so Centro is at the top of the list and I've never put the ask out because I, you know, that there's that, there's that hesitation. I think he's going to say no. Yeah. yeah. And there's one. only, there's only going to be one ask. And I think yeah. I tried maybe that's not to say I never asked. Cause I think when he's, his dad and him came out with the book, I was, I asked him if he wanted to come on and it was sort of like a, yeah, we'll do it, but we never did it. And so we ha- we haven't even been in the same exact like circle lately or any or to to make it happen. But if there was a meet where the two of us were there, I think it would be uh, we'd make the sit down happen. Yeah, I I think I yeah I agree. I think that's a great answer, um, especially because you even hear him in post race interviews, and it's not like you know he's a he's just you know likes to work out in in private and do that. He's like a, he's he's articulate, you know. Yeah, he would be a great he would be a great guest He'd for be a sure. Great guest. Yeah. He he's done one podcast, I think, like way back in like maybe 2014 or something. Um, but but ever since then, you know, got gotta get him back on. A lot has happened since. A whole lot has happened since. Yeah. Uh, can I tell you who's a guest on the Sidious Mag podcast in the next two weeks? That'll be really cool. And I guess the first for your listeners yeah. to hear. Phil Knight will be coming on the podcast. No way. How'd you get Phil yes. Knight? <laughs> At, at the olympic trials i got the really? chance to, to sit down with him yeah it was it was very it was sprung on to me like very quickly like they're like wow. would you like phil phil knight has some time he knows who i am and uh which was really cool to hear really and, that's awesome and then he was like would you want to geek out on track and he asked like, you and well so it was it was like a you know a situational mutual, yeah a mutual person who knows the both of us and was like would you be down and wow and the idea by him and it happened and so episode to come with phil knight on the back podcast that's so major exclusive that's... heard it here first on running things considered. <laughs> running things considered that's electric wow i cannot he he literally invented the sport of track and field that's crazy like <laughs> that's yeah i mean if he invented nike which is uh, he, if, if it wasn't I didn't for get nike to ask him yeah nike, nike poured track... so much money into the yeah. sport but like yeah, that's one thing I regret not asking him is sort of like, what has it been like, I guess, just in his lifetime, walking around and seeing people wear the, like the swoosh, like that's gotta be a really cool feeling. So we didn't really talk too much about Nike stuff, because I'm sure like, that's the thing, everyone always asks him about it. And like, he's yeah, that, removed that's the job of a podcaster to find, you know, to be new, you know, so we wanted it. Yeah, we, we just talked about him as a track fan and kind of legacy and what he envisions for the sport, the new Hayward field and all that kind of stuff. So, um, 
Stay tuned. Look out for that's that. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. That, 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 that's definitely the biggest guest. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he transcends Usain Bolt. Cause I mean, you've, you've like, you know, talked to Usain yeah. Bolt a little bit, but I think, yeah, Phil Knight's definitely the. Well, I'll tell you, that was the most ex- expensive hand I've ever shaken. Like the man <laughs> yeah, is worth billions oh yeah oh yeah he he invented shoes track and field <laughs> he invented a lot of things yeah yeah wow well that's awesome uh and you know thank you so that's it that's it for running things considered you you conquered all the questions you get five for five i, I have some you know writing the questions i, I sometimes go too easy but they were good they were good i think i just like kind of was genius. trying to, i think yeah. i know how the show works and so like i was that's able true. to kind of think oh what what pertains to me that's here? true yeah and, and what do you think about the hypothetical you know could, i like should, that should that stay i think the hypothetical should stay for sure sweet sweet we'll do that we'll do that well Thank you so much, Chris, again. And I, the number is 646-780-9218. Give us a five-star review because Phil Knight is on Sidious Mag Podcast. <laughs> Nothing to do with us, but we're excited. So give us a five-star review. And uh, on that note, thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate it, Avery. Absolutely. <laughs>